Good morning. This is Sips of Sanity, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. We're on day two, and today we're talking about meaningful work and status and respect. So let's start with meaningful work. Okay. And a reminder that we're talking about the disconnection from meaningful work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is really neat because we actually did a whole Sips of Sanity series on purpose, and Mm -hmm. work was only actually one of those purposes. Mm -hmm. So please keep in mind too, that even though we're using this as, as one cause of depression, there are multiple kinds of purpose in life. And we are not saying that this is the sole purpose and reason that you might have depression. Mm -hmm. Having said that, let's do some examples of what meaningful work looks like. And I think this could be a really messy show because we can talk about what a very meaningful type of work can look like where someone can lose sight of what their meaning or purpose is. And my first example right now is teachers. Teachers have one of the most difficult jobs next to being parents because they are pseudo parents and they have to operate within so many different boundaries. And those boundaries are changing every single day because parents are getting crazier and the school boards don't have control or it doesn't seem like that, with our changing government. Right. And that's here in North America. I'm not speaking for other parts of the world. But what I mean by that is teachers are one of the biggest influencers on our children. Right. How they grow. Meaningful work. Yeah. And with the amount of disrespect that we're seeing from parents and children in our school systems, I think teachers feel more and more limited as to how they're allowed to influence and what is considered now taboo. So they still have one of the most difficult jobs in maintaining order in a classroom while still encouraging creativity and freedom of thought and safety fit inside a very boxy curriculum. There's mm-hmm. there's just so much mess happening there that I think even though someone can be employed in what is a very meaningful position, they can feel a complete lack of purpose or meaning. Mm. And if that creates a depression in them, then that's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And and we can talk too, I mean, about people that serve our communities, police forces that are meant to be in place to keep us safe, mm-hmm. where they see day in and day out the, the abuse, the disorder in our communities, mm-hmm. the violence against them, themselves as as police officers, but also the violence that we commit to one another. Mm-hmm. And there can be a lot of feelings of that we're not making enough difference. Mm-hmm. And so again, they're in a position of influence and yet completely maybe discouraged and not feeling like it's ever enough. Then I think when you're saying all of that, Kelly, that one of the things that I think of is that they have to or could, or I hope that they do, I guess is what I really should say. I hope that they focus on where they are successful or a depression could creep in, sit and fester for decades or a career if they can only focus on the things where they don't succeed. Absolutely. So you have to focus on the child in the classroom that they can reach, the parents that are there to cooperate or there to problem solve. And I mean cooperation, not as give in to everything, I mean, communicate, Mm -hmm. cooperate, because there's a goal there to educate the child. Yeah, and also see what type of leaders or co-workers who want to be leaders you're surrounded by and align yourself with them. Ask how you can be collaborative together. 
Well, yeah, because otherwise, if you get into the depression and the negativity, you will be surrounding yourself with the other teachers that are equally as negative. Mm -hmm. And then all of your own behaviors become that way. Yeah. And, and even though, again, you still hold a position of significance and has the potential for power and meaning, your brain can't compute. And it believes that you are not in a, in a position to be fulfilled. What goes back to day one on what you find are your values. Yes. And you're, we're talking about then find other coworkers, perhaps bosses or a system or people in your system that can support the same values as you. And I guess too, Kelly, sometimes you have to find the students and the parents that can go along with the same values. And what you do with the other ones, I guess, is marginal. And I say marginal, meaning you can't really work with brick wall parents. Well, and I think about our evening with medium events where we start to channel for someone who's a brick wall and we look at them and go, okay, not wasting my time. I'm moving on to the next person who's open. Well, you remember at the very beginning in those events, we would spend so much time trying to help that person connect to someone who had died or to their messages. And then you and I remember we sat down one day and said, why are we giving them so much time? No, because we're losing the rest of the group. Right. 57 other or 58 other people in the room are there to get something out of it. And that's what I'm saying to that. There is a, a relation there between what we were, what we do and the teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about positions of jobs that might not be seen as status? Yeah. And, and I think of people who are not ever going to really think that their job is their purpose, but where you go to work, maybe, you know, your 40 hour week, or your maybe nowadays your 70 hour week. But your purpose is, is that when you come home, there are other jobs to do. Mm. And I don't mean another job as in that you get paid for, but there are just other jobs like taking care of kids or a home or whatever, volunteering, mm-hmm. maybe taking care of a neighbor's pet, whatever. But that those things can give you purpose. Mm-hmm. And and I know that I said this in the other podcast on, on purpose, is that you can go into a job because you have to. You can go into a job knowing that it is just to pay the bills mm-hmm. and that it doesn't have to be your source of inspiration, but it can be something you enjoy as you're there, mm-hmm. knowing that it's not supposed to be the thing that fulfills you. Mm-hmm. But the mindset has to be, it still serves a purpose, even if I don't feel like I'm an influence. Mm-hmm. And I think back to retail days as a 16-year-old, right? But as we know, there are 40, 50, 60-year-olds in retail still, or mm-hmm. again, I'll say. And maybe they don't consider that to be their success in life. Their success maybe was raising their children, or their success is their social life, the connections that they've made to other people. And the job is something that just needs to get done in between. I think of so many salespeople, Kelly, or bank tellers, all types of positions where they may not really feel value in the job they do, but they value the connectivity to their clients or to the customers. Absolutely. They go above and beyond to put your outfit together, to make you look good or feel good. Mm -hmm. And they love the fact that you might walk out and feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that the task itself of selling the clothes is not what they like they get some value out of how another person feels because of what they can do. Mm -hmm. 
I know too, when I sat at that wicket as a teller for a couple of years, I had no interest in staying there. It was a time filler for me. But the the idea that I had when each client walked up or customer walked up to the wicket was if I have an opportunity to educate them to take away financial stress, financial confusion, I'll take that opportunity today and call it a win. Mm-hmm. If someone walks away going, oh, I didn't know that. Thank you. Then I can feel like I have been of service to someone mm-hmm. and that can be enough Okay, let's dive into status and respect a little bit. I know we've covered it a little in that area. I imagine that teachers would like to feel more respect. But it is something that we're not in control of. So I my first thought goes back to if I'm not being respected by the person sitting in front of me, how do I maintain my understanding of my own status? Mm -hmm. And that usually for me always comes back to my cocktail line. And that means how I speak about my own job or my own position. And if I present myself in a way of, oh, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an elementary teacher. My little cocktail line there was pretty damn weak. Oh, yeah. And I didn't have much confidence. I didn't talk about anything that I actually like or what I teach. I didn't talk about a connection or why I went into it. I've robbed myself of that opportunity of still reaffirming my own status and what I respect in myself. Oh, I think that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I know too how difficult it is in our jobs to kind of know how to put that cocktail line together because there's so many different modalities of what we do. And in some way, shape or form, I try to work in that what we do is always done with the intention to empower people to help them to move forward and heal. Mm-hmm. And so if someone goes, well, I don't believe in that, no problem. My cocktail line is just run through my head or run out my mouth. And I've reminded myself of what my intention is. Your opinion doesn't affect my status or respect for myself. Perfect. And then you only really want to engage with the people who can respect you for that, whether they believe it or not. And can be curious, playful, inquisitive. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that really kind of made me chuckle was when Subway started calling their part-time and full-time employees sandwich artists. <laughs> and I think it's so wonderful mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's not the most inspiring job. You have a menu to follow. You're not yeah. actually allowed to be super creative unless the customer requests something. Right. But it does allow you to have that cocktail line conversation of, yeah, I'm a sandwich artist. Yeah. And it may spark a conversation right? Of what that means. Or, you know, do you love it? Do you not? Is it just a time filler? There can be an authentic conversation that comes out of it. And for someone in the retail industry, I like to customize wardrobes for people. You know, like you can have fun with that and, and enjoy the way that you speak about your job and how you experience it. Right. Imagine meeting somebody in retail and saying, what do you do for a living? And they say, I make people feel good about themselves. Yeah. How do you do that? I help them dress themselves. I give makeup tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I show them colors that suit them or styles that make them feel attractive or comfortable or powerful. I think there's endless opportunities for people to be creative in the way that they speak about themselves Mm -hmm. and in turn view themselves. Mm -hmm. And that really does influence the way others choose to view you as well. You don't have control over it, but you can influence it. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you're talking about this, Kelly, I think about partners again. My mind goes to this a lot. And between two adults, 
or between parents and children, where parents demand respect and have never earned it, and how that can create frustration in the child and eventually a depression. And I think when we're talking about this in broader terms of all kinds of just different examples of where we have to earn another person's respect. Again, a parent walking in where our child has bullied the teacher or bullied other students, and we demand that the teacher respect our child. What are we teaching our children in those situations? That they deserve respect for bad behavior, but they don't have to give respect to somebody who's in authority and is trying to create safety. Mm -hmm. And I think you could take the same example of a parent of a parent bullying a child and saying, I'm your mother. Yeah. You will respect me. And what does that even mean? It means, it means I have no identity other than to be your child and to serve or obey you. It's obey. It's not respect. And so I can almost guarantee you that both parties in that situation have depression. Absolutely. And that child is really going to have to work through the fact that that is not respecting somebody. That's simply obeying them for a control or power over. Yeah. And that's where the negative aspect of status emerges. Yeah. Status can be a beautiful thing because it can mean your ability to influence. Mm -hmm. But when you only hold status in your mind as something to have control over. Then it's abuse. Yes. Then you've swung it into abuse. And then nobody can respect you. Right. And, and in that situation, too, no matter how powerful you may think you are or people may see you as, there's an underlying depression that sits within you because you know ultimately you're not safe. That, that, that's got to run out at some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it runs out at some time. Because well, I know we- the guides don't let you get away with it. So even if it is death, good luck. Okay, that's very fair. That's very fair. And I think it's why people come to see us. I think they need to hear that and they need to hear those answers. Okay, that's it for today, Cal. Tomorrow on Wednesday morning, we're going to talk about childhood trauma and how it can create depression for people. Excellent. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, enjoy your Tuesday.